Have you ever wanted to call God into question? Have you ever had experience in life where you're just wondering, why is he allowing certain things? How long is this trouble going to last? You know, there's a lot of current events going on in our world right now that might make you ask questions like that. The vaccine mandates are a really hot topic all around us. Um, in fact, there's new mandates in LA, which is where, you know, we live in LA County. Um, there's new mandates in California for kids in school. Even we've had people in our church who've been facing the possibility of losing their job over this issue of vaccines and trying to figure out how to navigate that. Of course, our governor of California just walked through a recall election. It was a, a, kind of amazing to see the whole process of that gathering momentum and enough signatures and, and everything went through and then he kept his seat. And that may be uh, something that some people are glad about. That may be something that some people are confused about. The Delta variant is, of course, another thing going on that it's impacted a lot of people. COVID uh, may not be as dominating of a force as it was you know, when we first started with it, but it is definitely still affecting people and causing loss. Um, and so that, that's, a, that's a real threat that, that continues to go on. Uh, but e even without COVID, there may be other chronic illnesses that you have faced or that you are facing in life that you would ask, man, why? why? How long will I be dealing with this, this pain or this physical problem? Um, beyond the physical things, there's also tension in relationships. And this could be for friendships or even family members. And I've talked to many who are dealing with, um, you know, there's so many different opinions on all the topics and all of the issues out there that sometimes there's just this tension growing in people. And of course, another ongoing dynamic is the whole exit California, <laughs> where, you know, you do you know somebody? Do you know anybody that's left California already? You probably do if you live here. And uh, here we are in the middle of all of this. We moved in to LA County to start a brand new church <laughs> uh, in, the mess, in the middle of all this. It's, are, are we crazy? Uh, you know, so much in our world has changed and it has changed fast. I, I even was visiting my grandma who's in her 90s just a couple weeks ago and even she said things are ch changing way faster than I've ever seen in my lifetime. And it, it, it feels that way to me. California used to be known as the Golden State, or it is, it is known as the Golden State. And uh, here, here's an old photograph. This kind of, I think it might have been a postcard or something, but this just looks like a really old picture. And it kind of, just, even just looking at it, fills you with a little sense of nostalgia because of the little icons and uh, little places to see in California. That phrase, the Golden State, it traces back to the discovery of gold in 1848. And really, that set California on a path towards development and prosperity and growth and good times ahead. But California is hardly heaven. If you live here, you know there are some really high taxes. Um, it feels impossible to break into the real estate market. And then, of course, there's an insane amount of traffic that only gets worse every year that goes by. When you think about these things, 
Well, you know, welcome to church, by the way. <laughs> welcome to things that'll stress you out. Do you feel distressed? Do you, do you feel like you've asked any of these questions? Why? Why is this happening? Maybe you just ask it generally or maybe to God or maybe say, how long is this going to go on? Those are questions that most people face at some point in their life. If not right now, maybe there were other times where you walked through a very dark valley and things were looking very bleak and you had the question, why? Why is this happening? Well, we're starting a new message series today called Hope in the Dark. And my name is Bruce. I'm the lead pastor here at Valley Lights Church. And so welcome. Welcome to Church Online. I'm glad you're listening or watching along with us. Today happens to be the grand opening of our new location. We are gathering this Sunday in uh, Rio Norte Junior High School. And this is a fun, highly anticipated day for me. Um, we actually just had our one-year celebration as a church. Uh, just a little over a year ago, a team, a small team of people moved with us. We moved into Santa Clarita to start a church from scratch in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> it started in my backyard. We moved to Chesbro Park. We were meeting outdoors when there was no indoor gatherings allowed. And then we moved to the Embassy Suites, a hotel in Valencia. And now we're at the school. And it really has been incredible to see what God has built over the past year. In fact, we've got some videos and highlights showing that in our previous uh, messages. But there, there was a time earlier in my life when I did experience some questions and some confusion and some, really, and some frustration. Back when I was in college, I, I went to a Bible school and I was going to a church during that time and um, there were some things that I saw though that uh, some people were living a certain way that didn't line up with the way that they talked on Sunday. And that was, that was difficult for me to see that. And, you know, we went on and there's just some things that didn't line up. Eventually, my wife now, um, she was my girlfriend and we got engaged. And uh, we we're getting ready for a really big transition of, of getting married, graduating college in the same summer, and the pastor of this church that we've been going to. And, um, that was like our main source of connection and relationship. Um, he, right, right before all, all of our big transitions, he left town. He had committed to uh, doing our premarital counseling and doing our wedding, but he uh, dropped his commitment on those things. And there, there, may, there may have been some good reasons for that. I, you know, now that there's some distance, I've, I've thought, um, you know, I'm able to, you know, assume the best a little bit more. But you know, at the time, we really felt like we were hanging. And uh, when my uh, time at college was wrapping up in this, in this Bible school, I, I was in the process of becoming a licensed minister. And I just stopped. I said, no, no, I don't want to do that. Here I am graduating with a bachelor's degree in biblical studies. And I thought, I don't, I, at this point, I don't know what I want to do. I've got a college degree. I don't know what I want to do with my life. But I know I don't want to be a pastor. <laughs> so at that point, we were we we'd gotten married, but we were floating around. Um, I I was feeling frustrated about some things, and um, being newly married was fun and exciting. But uh, 
uh, we were on the whole feeling relationally isolated. And I, I honestly, I was just craving some friends. You know, that church falling apart, I just, our, we had no relational network and I was just craving people to be around. And, you know, why, why did things pan out this way? Why, why, why is it going this way? Those were some questions going through my mind. Today in the Bible, we're going to look at a man who watched his world crumbling around him. And then he asked some very direct questions to God. It's, it's fascinating because God responds, and we get to see his response. And so we're going to be looking in the book of Habakkuk. <laughs> Habakkuk is the name of a guy. kind of sounds like you're coughing up a hairball when you say his name, but he, Habakkuk, he lived in a really interesting time in history. It was about 600 years before the birth of Jesus, and really at a time when the nation of Israel, specifically Judah, was going downhill. And so he's right, he writes a book. It's a letter. Uh, it's his experience. Actually, it's, it's more than anything. It's a dialogue between him and God. And he writes this during a time of international crisis and national corruption. So things are really bad on the home front and around them. And so it was really a major period of uncertainty and fear. Does any of that sound familiar to you at all right now? <laughs> uncertainty, fear, national turmoil, international tension. This book that we're about to read is, it's as relevant as the media feeds that you look through on the morning when you wake up and you check your phone. Um, there are actually, we may even read some questions that are the exact wording of questions that you have asked God at some point. And so Habakkuk, he's writing and he's right out the gate. He's confused and he's perplexed about the situation he's in, um, probably dealing with a lot of disappointment, maybe even anger about what he's facing. And his essential question is, God, why are you allowing this to happen? There, uh, God, you're, you're able to do something. You're able to step in and change it up, but you're not. And why is that? Maybe you've had the experience where injustice has led to some doubt in God. Injustice can lead to doubt. Maybe bad things happen, and now we've got questions. Actually, this, this happened one time. I was driving down the road, and some, a kid in the neighborhood, he was riding a skateboard. And skateboards, when you hit a, a rock, since those wheels are so small, you, uh, you lose control fast. So he, he hits this tiny little rock, and then he just launches off his skateboard, lands on his back. And I hear as I, <laughs> I'm in my car, but I can, I can hear him on the ground. He goes, why, God? <laughs> Even in a moment of pain like that, you just got to know, why did this happen? But when bad things happen, it just prompts some questions. Maybe the bad things cause doubt in God's goodness. Maybe God's not so good after all if he's letting this awful stuff happen. Or maybe it's causes some doubt in his power or his ability. Maybe God sure would like things to be different, but for some reason he's not able to take care of this. For some, it, injustice may even lead to a crisis of belief in God altogether. 
And you know what, maybe if it was just hard times, that would be one thing, it'd be understandable, because you know, we all got hard times. Life, life has challenges. But injustice, in particular, has a way of causing some deeper questions. And that, that's when wrong things are happening and people are getting away with it. That is really hard to swallow. That's hard to watch. And maybe you're a person that, maybe you don't doubt God. Maybe you don't doubt his goodness or his power. But still, you're seeing what's happening and you're, and, and you're confused and you're anxious. Habakkuk, we read his story and he's not like all the other prophets where he's addressing the people. He's got a word from God to the people. He's addressing God. And uh, he, doesn't, he doesn't hold back. He doesn't try to go in quite softly or butter up God. He, he just goes straight in with some intense questions. He doesn't hold back. So look at what he says, right in the, starting in verse 2 of chapter 1, Habakkuk, he says, How long, Lord, must I call for help and you do not listen? Or how long must I cry out? to you about violence and you do not save? Those are some strong questions. He says, why do you force me to look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Oppression and violence are right in front of me. Strife is ongoing and conflict escalates. Now, have you seen any of those things in your world, in our world around us? Conflict escalating, wrongdoing oppression and violence, injustice. Habakkuk, he says, this is why the law is ineffective and justice never emerges, for the wicked restrict the righteous. Therefore, justice comes out perverted. He's saying, we've got laws in our country, but they're being ignored. The law, the law is useless right now. It's not being followed. And this nation that he's a part of it was very prosperous. Man, they had some really good times. A lot of wealth and building and expansion and golden days. And it was becoming impoverished because there was a lot of injustice and corruption, even violence in their country. This is, this is inside his own country. He's not talking about the outside people yet. There's people in power that were corrupt. There was people in power that were looking for personal gain, trying to figure out how to maneuver things for their own benefit. And so he's, he's in a country where the leaders don't see and don't act the way that he sees and he would act. And so there's this incredible tension that he faces. And if you look in those verses again, he, he asks the question, how long, Lord, or why, Lord? Why? He asks this question over and over. Sounds, it sounds like a person who would really like to get an explanation from God. As if he's saying, you don't really seem to care, God. You're not really doing that much when you could be doing something. What, and, and what you are doing doesn't seem fair. Now, this was written over, well over 2,000 years ago, but it is still pretty relevant today. There are the same tensions and questions that followers of God followers of Jesus would ask. Perhaps this was the darkest moment in his lifetime. Would you agree that everybody faces dark moments at some point in life? I mean, a dark moment is when bad things happen or when there's dread that things are about to get a lot worse. 
really dark moment for me was in marriage year seven, seven and eight. That was a horrible time of pain and confusion and a lot of wondering when things were going to get better. It was very, very rough. And I, it was really hard to see light at the end of the tunnel. Another dark moment in my life was, uh, well, we have four kids and my wife has had miscarriages in between each of the healthy pregnancies. And the last time that that happened there, uh, it actually was a stillbirth. Um, the baby had gone halfway through pregnancy. And so when we had gone to the labor and delivery wing um, at this point, it was a very different experience than the other times she had delivered. And holding a, a baby in, that could easily fit in the palm of my hand, uh, just this tiny baby body, that was such, and the whole thing, the whole experience there that day, the, that weekend, um, it was very intense and emotional. And we, we wrestled with a question. I think there was some things that we wrestled with, but probably the question that floated to the surface the most was, God, you keep my heart beating every day. And I, I, I acknowledge that to God that, that that's true. I, even right now, God, you keep my heart beating. And it's by your power that my life is sustained. You had the power to keep this baby's heart beating, and you didn't. Why, why is that? And my wife and I have had many conversations about this over the years since that's happened. And I'll tell you, my wife has incredible faith in God. Um, and you'll see that if, if you've ever get a chance to hear her describe her journey through that experience. We hit dark times. What has been a really dark time in your life, in your history? Maybe there was job loss or financial ruin. Maybe a marriage that just blew up and was destroyed. Maybe the loss of a child or a family member or sickness that doesn't get better but leads to death. Maybe something happened in your life that it just felt so unjust or it still feels unjust. Maybe, maybe you want kids but you can't conceive and you know what? You pray and you trust and and there's some people that have kids that don't want kids. That seems cruel. Or maybe you'd say, I, you know, I'm faithful. I read my Bible and I pray and I serve God in the church, but I still battle migraines or I've got depression that I can't get over. There's, there's this battle that I apparently can't get victory over. Those feel confusing and frustrating times when you'd ask, why are you letting this happen? How, how long, Lord, will this go on? If you've walked through any dark time like that, more than likely, it's shaped the way that you see life and the way that you see God. How has it? How have the dark times shaped the, your perspective on life? A lot of people think there's two options. If something really bad happens, one option is just to deny the bad things are happening. No, I'm good. Just moving on. Uh, it is not a big deal. Um, that didn't really happen. I'm just going to, I'm, no, just to, to refuse that, to deny it. Another option would be to reject God and say, you know what? If this, if this is the path that God is going to 
put me on or he's gonna allow this thing to happen. No, um, if he's there, I reject him. Maybe, or, but more than likely, he's not there. That's that is one that is one scary path to take. But there is actually a third option, and that's why we're looking at this book today, and actually over the next few weeks. The third option is in the middle of the pain wrestle, to wrestle with God by bringing up these questions of why and how long we can wrestle with God. That's actually what Habakkuk is doing. He's wrestling with God. And amazingly, God responds. And I love the Bible because we get to read God's own words, the things that he says and the ways that he thinks. We get a clue into the way that he sees things. And Habakkuk is just confused and so weary from the injustice of it all. And God responds, and he says in verse 5, Look at the nations and observe. Be utterly astounded, for I am doing something in your days that you will not believe when you hear about it. Now, that sounds pretty good. When God says something astounding is about to happen, that's okay. Maybe we're getting back on track. Hooray! Like this, something unbelievable is about this. We need something unbelievable to happen here, honestly. God, I knew it. God is going to make everything right, right now. He's going to put it all back together. But hold on. Hold on a second. It goes on. God says, Look, I am raising up the Chaldeans that bitter, impetuous nation that marches across the earth's open spaces to seize territories not its own. Now, you need to know, the Chaldeans are also known as the Babylonians, and these are the bad guys. This is a violent, immoral, vicious, mocking, brutal, conquering nation. And they're about to become very powerful on the world stage. And God says, I'm raising them up. They are my tool to execute judgment on your corrupt nation. Habakkuk. What? It, how, how does that even answer my question? Lord, I asked you about injustice. And I, I'm, I'm struggling to even compute. This, this is the answer. Now, I want to pause for just a second. Okay, we're going to leave his story. I've talked with people over the past year who have really hoped the tables would turn in our country. Maybe, maybe you've had that hope. Maybe, maybe that there would be some massive shift. Maybe there would be like a breakthrough moment or there'd be some powerful figure that would step up and turn the tide and things would change or things would go back to normal in some way. Have you, have you hoped that that would happen? What if, instead of getting better in our country, things got much, much worse? I don't want that to happen. I'm not excited about the possibility that that could happen. But what if we got swept away by a foreign power? Does that thought unsettle you? Does that even seem unbelievable that that could even happen? God said to Habakkuk, 
something that you wouldn't believe is about to happen. This is that. So this, this scenario that I'm proposing to you right now, this is the story of Habakkuk. I'm not trying to prophesy our future, but it, that thinking about it in those terms helps us put ourselves in the position where Habakkuk was standing to try to feel what he was feeling, where things for him got bad and then got worse. He had a lot of national corruption and turmoil in his own country, and that transferred into international horror. Instead of ending the injustice, God raised up an enemy to conquer Israel that was a godless, bloodthirsty nation. God let that happen to his people. Habakkuk had an idea about the power and, and just the military might of this, this conquering nation. And so he says back to God, one of the, a few things, but one of the things he says to God is, God, you, you've made mankind like the fish in the sea. You've made us like marine creatures that, that have no ruler. The Chaldeans pull them all up with a hook, catch them in their dragnet, and gather them in their fishing net. And that's why they're glad and they rejoice. There's this really fascinating, vivid imagery that he uses. Um, he talks about a dragnet. And so I want to show you a picture of a dragnet. And you can see in this photo, there's a guy on a boat and a lot of fish <laughs> being just pulled and hauled in by this bigger than life net, this huge, massive net. And that's, this, this would be, this is maybe the imagery that's, that Habakkuk is going for, where this one guy or this one nation is just pulling everybody in, just helpless, flopping around. It's really a picture of total power and domination over people. And the question, essentially, that Habakkuk is asking is, God, if you let the wicked Chaldeans have more power, this is what our future is going to be like. Tell me, how is that just? How is that according to your plan? The answer that Habakkuk got from God was not the answer that he wanted. It's not the answer he expected. Where does that leave us? Where is the point of learning or application for us? So the name Habakkuk, it actually, his name tells a story. Uh, Habakkuk means strong embrace. And that could mean like, like a hug, like a strong embrace, like he's clinging to God in his love and affection for him. Or it's more like wrestling. You know, if you wrestle, you really strongly embrace and you're trying to get a grip of things. I think that's more what's happening with Habakkuk at this point. He's really wrestling with God. Such bold words and questions aimed squarely at God. Why is there so much injustice? What shines through the darkness in this book is that a genuine believer can both wrestle with honest questions and embrace faith in God. Now, now that's an amazing dynamic. You can wrestle with honest questions and embrace a genuine faith in God. And if you're, if you're listening to that and you, say, you might say, I, I'm glad to know that because on, I, I don't want to give up on God, but I'm just struggling to make sense out of things right now. Or 
You might hear that and say, no, I'm, I'm, I, I don't like that because I want a reason to give up on God. This is just not making sense and I don't want to live in the tension anymore. Well, I'll just give you a warning. This is not a sitcom sermon. I don't know what your favorite sitcom is. It could be Friends, Big Bang Theory, The Office. But in sitcoms, you got a bunch of happy people. And then, uh-oh, a problem. And then within 30 minutes, the problem gets solved, also including commercial breaks, and they just package it so nice. This is just fun to watch. This is not a sitcom sermon. There may be some unresolved tension by the end of it because Habakkuk is a three-chapter book, and we're just in the first chapter, and it's pretty raw. There's some helpful things to consider from this chapter. One is, when you're in the dark, don't walk away from God yet. Habakkuk doesn't do this. He's got some questions, but he doesn't walk away. Actually, look at what he says. Um, when God responds about the Babylonians, here's his response. He says, are, are you not from eternity? Lord, my God. He, he still submits himself to God. He says, my Holy One, you will not die. Lord, you appointed them to die to execute judgment. My rock, you destined them to punish us. You can even feel the way he's wrestling. He's, he's trying to make sense of it, but he still keeps calling God, my Lord, my rock, my holy one. He's trying to intersperse those in there because he's not wanting to walk away. You can feel the wrestling. Another thing when you're in the dark is express your concerns to God. You might even let your doubts drive you to God. Habakkuk does this too. In the next verse, he says, Lord, your eyes are too pure to look on evil and you cannot tolerate wrongdoing. He's saying, saying, "I, I know that you're God. I know you're powerful and sovereign and eternal. And so here is a truly honest question. And here's what he says. So why do you tolerate those who are treacherous? Why are you silent while one who is wicked swallows up the ones who are more righteous than himself? And with this question, it kind of seems like he's pushing back on God's answer. Is that okay? Can you do that? Can you push back on God? He seems okay with it. In fact, a third of the Psalms, which is a huge part of the Bible, a third of them are prayers or songs of people in pain and in hurting. The authors of the books of Job, Lamentations, Ecclesiastes, Jeremiah, they all express confusion and pain, really an unbearable suffering of genuine believers. There's a a lot of emotion that we can find in the Bible. If you express your concerns to God, maybe, maybe we do that because acknowledging doubts, maybe they lead us to a deeper faith. What if honestly acknowledging your doubts is the first step towards building a deeper faith? What if voicing your secret questions opens the door for a deeper knowledge about God's character? Or what if drawing closer to God requires that we bear something that feels unbearable? To trust Him in the moment of doom or to embrace His strength when we're weak? What if it takes real pain and suffering to experience deep and abiding hope in the dark? You know what's really common? 
expressing our concerns to everyone else. It's really common to rant, to complain, to criticize, just to, to shout out and just, just to go on about the injustice. But actually going to God directly and really just voicing those things, that's unusual. If we pray real questions to God, what that means is I, I'm, I'm actually expecting a response. I'm expecting feedback in some way. That's different. Have you ever heard someone say, hey, God's never going to give you more than you can handle? Have you heard that? God will never give you more than you can bear. Um, I think that might be sort of a, a misphrasing of another verse where it says, God will never let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But he'll provide a way out of temptation. Uh, we can get out of the things that tempt us. But as far as us facing things that we can't handle, I think that does happen. I think overwhelming things happen so that we depend on him. Are things going to get better? Yeah, maybe. But maybe they don't. Maybe things get worse. Habakkuk chapter 1. There's no resolution. There's no miracle. In fact, the solution that God gives seems a whole lot worse than the current situation. I think many people might walk away from God in chapter 1 experiences. Chapter 2 is honestly not that much better. <laughs> so another thing to do when in the dark, hang on to humility. We do well to remember our position in relation to God. Another verse, God says this, For the high and exalted one who lives forever, whose name is holy, says this, I live in a high and holy place and with the oppressed and lowly of spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the oppressed. God is saying that he can be found in two places. The really high and holy place, which is where we can't go. <laughs> we can't choose to go to the high and holy place right now. So God's there, we can't go there. The other place that we can go is in the really low places. You know, we tend to puff ourselves up, to, to prop ourselves up, to, to grab for what we deserve. And we try to, try to climb up on top. But that's the mushy middle where God can't be found. He can be found in the high places and the low and the low spots where people are oppressed and hurting and humble. In this position of humility, we can be open to the possibility that God is doing things that we can't quite see yet. One of the things that nobody expected that God would do was the way that he, would, he himself would enter history, that Jesus, God in the flesh, would die on the cross for our sins and for our wrongdoing, and that if we would turn, if we decide to turn away from our approach to life, our default, our, my, my own choices, and I would submit to him, man, we would break free from a world of injustice and find lasting peace with God forever. Nobody expected it to come in that way. And if you are so bold to, to choose to follow Jesus Christ, in this wild world that we're living in right now, and you decide, I'm going to take the Bible seriously. Boy, we had better prepare ourselves for a difficult road ahead. But there is hope in the dark. 
then actually there is an answer to that question about injustice being raised by Habakkuk. What, what's with all the injustice? How long, Lord? There is a question to that. I invite you to come back and listen next week. We're going to continue on in this story. And I'd love to, I'd love to actually hear from you. So if you're, if you're watching online with us right now, uh, drop your info in our connection card or leave some contact info. I'd love to get a chance just to say hello and meet you. This is a time in our lives when we really need to be around some good people. We started this church during a time of uncertainty, a lot of relational isolation, and a lot of conflict in our world. And I think there's a lot of people walking through low points in life, walking through a valley. And that's why we're called Valley Lights Church. Maybe you're in need of hope and light. As a church, we're going to provide that. I, I'm, I'm so excited and eager to provide hope and light in two ways. One way is by holding very carefully to the Bible and for us to be rock solid on obeying the commands of God and of Jesus Christ. The other way of bringing hope and light is by building a community of Christ followers, really a community of friends that operates like a spiritual family. So you have tuned in at a great time. Our church is still relatively new and small, but you're not here by accident. I believe God wanted you to be listening today. This is a great time to pull in. You can team with us. We could really use your help. In fact, I, I believe that God has gifted you in some specific ways to be a help to other people. We have a, an exciting sports camp coming up in a week, and our goal is to bring joy and a sense of community to the neighborhood that we're in. Really do a service to the community. You can help us with that. So you can team with us. You can also group with us. Um, you can attend some of our gatherings and our groups that provide a lot of refreshment and friendships that we, that we need so much. Uh, you can group with us. You can also grow with us. As our church grows, you can be a part of that. It's an exciting time to grow. But you can also grow spiritually strong and rooted. And so I invite you to join others who are lights in the valley. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for revealing yourself to us, revealing your thoughts and your word like this. There really are moments of confusion and pain and darkness. But I trust you, Lord. And I, I'm so grateful to have talked and walked with many other that have held fast to their confidence in you. I pray that those that are on the fence, wavering, not sure if you're real or if you're good, that you would um, draw them in. Um, help us to take steps towards you in our confidence. Help us to even just courageously voice our concerns and doubts to you. And would, we, would you give us the ability to hear your response and your leading and your guiding? whether that comes through the word or through another person or a message or, or you just speaking to us in a still, soft voice. Believe you're real and that you're good, and we are so grateful that you made a way for us to find you through Jesus. Um, help us grow strong as a church and bring hope and light to others that are so desperately in need of it through Jesus. This is in his name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us. I hope to see you again next week.